Welcome to the Tech of Business show. I'm your host, Jamie Slutsky. And on this show, we are exposing the technology that runs growing and thriving businesses today. From smart and innovative to nuts and bolts, there is no tech stone unturned. Now it's time to talk tech and let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Tech of Business podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Slutsky, and today I have persuasion scientist turned entrepreneur, Micah Larson with me. Micah created the APIS algorithm, which leads into a wide variety of persuasion pollination content. Most of us as business owners started our venture because we love our modality and want to share it with others. We likely didn't start our business to coerce people to buy from us or hire us. And that's exactly where Micah's research is able to step in and help us all. In this episode, Micah demonstrates how communication and persuasion work hand in hand in business. Before recording this intro, I listened to this episode three times to be sure that I didn't miss anything for the show notes. You're definitely going to want to take a look at Micah's website. The link is in the show notes at techofbusiness.com forward slash 024. I'll chat with you again at the end of this conversation with Micah. Welcome, Micah, to the Tech of Business podcast. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. Thank you, Jamie. I'm excited too. This is going to be a really fun conversation because you have so much knowledge when it comes to the way people work and the way people act and the way people communicate. And I know tech is a part of that because we all use technology in our communication, but I don't think people look at it that way quite as often. How would you say that people are using communication and technology together? Well, these days, technology is pretty much a constant mediator in our communication. And there is a huge body of literature about this in the communication science field, which is my background. Um, you know, we tend to do a really bad job of checking ourselves and figuring out how the way that we communicate with technology changes our message. And the classic example and something I talk to with people, talk about with people a lot is our propensity to text people about really important conversations we should be having in person and how when we don't have the nonverbal signals we usually get from people when we're face to face, how that completely changes the message. And so, you know, that's such a great lesson for all of us to remember how when talk technology mediates our communication, how it can really change the way it's received. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know even just in general, um, my mom received a text message from my sister-in-law and she wanted to make sure that it was just, you know, vanilla. It was just the words that were there and there were no innuendos. So she had me read it to say, <laughs> is there anything else going on here that I should know about? And I'm sure that having that extra person around to help interpret the text messages is probably advantageous in a lot of regards, but I really don't know how to communicate effectively with a uh, written word alone. I find that I, my messages come across a lot clearer when I'm able to use my voice or able to interact in a um, 
on a video chat with someone, it's just, it comes across so much easier. I find that I don't stumble upon what I'm trying to communicate uh, quite as much. That totally makes sense. And in a professional context, we aren't even, it's not really even appropriate to use like emojis or emoticons, even though I think those are totally genius because they kind of eliminate some of the issues that your mom was having. Like what are, what is the emotional context of the message that you're trying to send and being able to send like memes and gifts and emojis, those all really help us communicate what the emotional value and the meaning of our message is. But we can't use those when we're writing like professional emails or um, in our work context usually. So I find a lot of people agree that that's, that's an issue for them. No, you are so right that when we are communicating in business, there are kind of rules that we want to hold ourselves up to. Even if we are solopreneurs or small business owners, we still want to separate what is casual to what is business. Um, and are there any uh, tips or strategies that you have or that you use yourself uh, that allow you to come across in text form in a, you know, in a way that matches uh, the recipient, you know, the conversation that you're trying to have, whether it's a business, a casual, a personal, whatever it might be. Yeah, I think maybe being more solicitous and explaining things a little bit more thoroughly when you're texting or emailing with someone that really helps make sure that there isn't any miscommunication. Because um, what we're talking about is actually something called media richness. And media richness theory tells us that all the different media we use to communicate, whether that's face-to-face -face communication to texting, email, video, chat, they all vary in their richness and the richness is determined by how much information we can get from our, our communication. Do we, can we see people? Can we have visual um, facial expressions? Can we get information from how close we are sitting or standing to someone? Can we hear their voice and get information from their intonations? And so there's a whole spectrum or continuum of how rich media is and the richest media as you can imagine is having a conversation face to face and the leanest or least rich kind of media is a text message or an email especially if we're not using those emojis and emoticons because they actually add a little bit of richness they give us information about the emotional value and what the intent and context of the message is so my general rule of thumb for people because I'm a persuasion scientist is that if you want to persuade people often the best way to do that is face to face because you can give people more information about your message and we should always try to opt for the most rich medium we can choose in a situation just to avoid miscommunication mm -hmm. but if you can't do that then definitely reread and think about is this the best mode or medium I can use to deliver this message I like that. I like that a lot. And I, you know, that's why I do so many of my consultations and so much of my work through Zoom or other kinds of video chat, because it, there's a dis distance that separates us. And so mm -hmm. there's no physical way for us to be face to face. So that's, to me, the next best thing. Yeah. And I think when you're using video chat, and I think video chat and FaceTime are brilliant, because the only 
kind of rich media aspect that we're missing there is spatial. So how far apart you would sit or stand from someone. And that usually indicates how professional or intimate our relationship is with someone. But when you're setting up a video call, you've already probably established what kind of relationship you, you share with someone. So you're not really missing a lot of information there. Um, and I, I love 28 hours away from my family and I FaceTime with them all the time and my parents or other clients would say it's just like having you in the room so I completely agree that's that. so interesting that you say that because I use FaceTime with my family but I won't use it with a client and I don't quite know why what the difference is between using something on my computer and zoom and and visual um, video conferencing from the computer feels like it's more professional than using FaceTime on a device that is mobile and moving around and, you know, might not always have the best angle on my face <laughs> or things like that. And I'm just thinking about it because I don't really care if my family sees the wrong side of me or if I flip the camera or if I put it down for whatever reasons. But because I want to communicate myself effectively with my clients and my prospects and my business associates, I don't use FaceTime in that way. I don't know if you have any insight into how or why I might do that or anybody in the audience might be choosing to use one form of video communication versus another. That's a good question. And I actually only use FaceTime for my friends and family too. And the rest of the time I use Zoom. Zoom's great. Like, um, but I think that you're right. One medium, even if they're a slightly different kind of video chat, conveys more professionalism. And maybe it's because we associate a video conference being on our laptop or a computer in our office setting, or we have a little bit more control and stability over the, the background. And I actually read or was thinking about what we convey, what messages we convey with what's going on in the background of our video conference. And I think that that's something that we can gloss over. And so we should think critically when we're, we would like to persuade or influence someone and we're video conferencing with someone in our professional circles, what messages are they getting just from the, what they can see in the background of our office or video conference mm -hmm. is it mm -hmm. organized or you know are they seeing our diplomas or are they seeing you know like yesterday's coffee cup yeah well <laughs> if anyone watches any of my facebook lives they all see that there's a donald duck picture hanging behind me behind next I love. Bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> so they know that i have a little bit of a uh a, hmm should i say i'm like donald duck and have a temper i don't know about that but he i like donald duck and i'm happy to have him be a part of my my visual uh frame that people actually see and i know that sometimes when you are setting the scene for video communication that you really want to set up a very specific background uh do you have any is there anything that sits in the background that is like a deterrent in the business environment or that you think that people should avoid in their videos? Hmm. I think a lot of clutter is something that indicates a lot about a person. Um, you know, we're constantly appraising and evaluating how much we value other people and every bit of information that we give others changes their evaluation and appraisal in real time. Um, and 
what we want to be most of all when we're trying to persuade or influence people is what we call a credible authority figure. So that's somebody who has a lot of expertise and trustworthiness. And so we really value their opinion and persuasion research suggests that we are very much easily influenced by people we see as credible authority figures. So I think maybe it's less about what you don't want in the background and more about what could you strategically place in the background that could place you as an authority figure in the eyes of your persuasion target or the person you're communicating with. So like I said, diplomas or um, books that you're reading or have read that are relevant to your topic of conversation, those types of things tend to make you seem more of like a credible authority figure. Yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense. That absolutely makes a lot of sense. I I like that, and I'm in the process of uh, figuring out what I want the uh, background to look like behind me for my next virtual summit. So I'm going to definitely take some of those thoughts in mind. I yeah, yeah I want to. Uh, I know that you have spent a long time developing everything that you've got going on and you've got this, a really cool algorithm. And actually that is how you and I got connected was um, our, my past guest, Geraldine Carter said, you have got to talk to Micah. She's got this algorithm that helps with all of these really cool things with persuasion and stuff. And I want to talk a little bit about what it is that you provide to help people who are in business. Cool. Yes. So the algorithm is my kind of baby that <laughs> um, was born in January. I mean, really, I started working on it on my kitchen table a couple of years ago when I was living in the middle of Wyoming. And so my background is in communication science and academia, and I my published research is in persuasion. So I have always been very interested in how the brain works, and I pursued researching what are the best ways we can persuade the public or individual people. And I left academia to become an entrepreneur. And during that time, I had been working in politics and with other entrepreneurs. And I started to realize how important our ability to persuade people to, to buy into our ideas is. And I became a little bit frustrated because there are 60 years uh, worth of studies on persuasion and how to influence other people, but they're not organized. And most of them just live in journals in a university library and no one ever looks at them. So I kind of set out on this journey to find a way to make persuasion science useful for the general public. And I started drawing out this algorithm and basically it predicts the best persuasion tactics for people to use to influence the people they come in contact with. And it takes into account you as the persuader, the person you would like to persuade, the context in which you'd like to persuade them and what it is that you want them to do or believe. And the outputs are a long list of persuasion tactics that have been researched for decades. Mm -hmm. And so that, I guess, is the technology part of <laughs> what I'm doing. Um, and then this month, my Persuasion Pollination Training Center will be live on my website. And that's where more of the technology comes in. The persuasion is now in a quiz format. So anyone can will be able to go on the website and take it for free and learn what their best persuasion tactics are for their goals and their profession. 
I'm going to have been first in line. This episode <laughs> uh, will have come out just after that's live. So I will make sure that everybody has the information about that in the show notes. So definitely click over to the show notes to take that quiz. And I'd love to know what some of the... Um, tactics might be. I know that this is like the secret sauce that makes people uh, great. So I, <laughs> I'm going to be selfish and uh, be selfish <laughs> on behalf of the audience to, uh, to learn a little bit about this. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier something called credible authority. And so there are several tactics in the algorithm that help you set up yourself as a credible authority figure in the eyes of your target. And one of those is actually a little counterintuitive. It's called self-extermination. And so when we self-exterminate, it's actually when we argue a little bit against our own interests and it allows us to be perceived as someone who has the greater good in mind. And so when we argue a little bit against our own interests and self-exterminate, the people around us tend to think, oh, this person really wants the best for me and the best outcome for everyone and the best, the greater good. And so we tend to be really influenced by people like that, that we think are very impartial. So self-exterminating, it could take the format of if you're trying to sell a product, you could say, you know, here are some potential drawbacks to this particular product, or some research has been done on waiters who make a an enormous amount of tips because they'll say, you know, the special tonight isn't so great. Maybe order something else that's less expensive off the menu. So in that example, they're arguing a little bit against their own interests and they're being perceived as someone who has the diner's best interests in mind. And they're actually setting themselves up as a credible authority, someone who's trustworthy and likable. Um, and that works especially well when we connect our weaknesses and our requests with a strength. And one of my favorite examples of this is um, Queen Elizabeth I used self-extermination in one of her most famous speeches back in 1548. She was trying to persuade her British forces to fight off an invasion on the coast of Spain. And she was obviously a woman and a lot of her soldiers were struggling with the fact that, you know, how can it be a woman be such a good leader? And she said, I may have the weak and feeble body of a woman, but I have the heart of a king and the heart of a king of England. So she self-exterminated and acknowledged what her weaknesses might be and argued a little bit against her own interests, but connected it to a real strength. And that goes down in history as one of her most persuasive speeches of all time. That's so cool. I'm yeah. just like, I'm, I'm trying to relate it to, you know, when I have a quote unquote sales conversation with a client and I put that in quotes because I'm never in the hard sell mode. I'm in the, okay, this is what you're looking for. And yes, you've come to the person who can help you do that. And I find that in that case, they want to hear and know that I have all of this experience and all of this know-how, but that I am going to let my clients still have a say in the matter and it's still their project. It's still their outcome. And that the way that I do that is I remind them that I am hired to do a job to help them shine. And i also talk about the fact that I'm an impartial third party. I am there to serve um, the situation and the time and the product 
but I'm not there to have a vested income that a vested interest in the outcome. And I think that that's a little bit of what you're talking about because I'm admitting that I'm not this all powerful, all knowing being by extracting myself from the emotionality of it. Is that kind of a little bit of it as well? Yeah. You use the word impartial and that's, you know, a lot of times what people love to hear because we, when we know we're being persuaded, we tend to react very negatively to that. And so, you know, a really great way to persuade people is to have this great balance between showing that you're an expert and you have expertise, but also being, you know, impartial and wanting the greater good and and you want good outcomes for your clients. And so I think you're, very much going down the right track. And (laughs) actually, um, MRI research, when uh, neuroscientists track the brain activity of people when they're um, making decisions, it's remarkable how very much influenced we are by people who have that credible authority and who seem to have a lot of expertise in a subject. When people have to make decisions on their own, they have a lot of activity in their decision-making parts of their brain in the front called the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. But when they make the same decisions but have gotten advice from an expert in the specific subject, they have no activity in their decision-making centers of their brain because they're just following instructions instead. So there's a lot of implications for that, for persuasion, that we can really strongly influence people if they believe that we know what we're talking about. (laughs) That is so, so awesome. And it's so funny because I'm sitting here saying, we're not talking about tech at all, but that's okay because there's a lot of other parts of business that the tech can help you. I mean, the tech can help you to communicate more effectively. The tech can help you with a lot of the the pieces that go into this, but uh, what you're saying is that, you know, the communication and the persuasion and those things, those are, I guess, learned and um, are more valuable to the outcome because the tech, I mean, oh, at least I'm going to put these words in your mouth, but the tech is, uh, is inconsequential as long as it does its job. What is a differentiating factor is how you do yours. Yeah, but I also think that technology is the future of persuasion because what we're seeing now, it's beyond person-to-person persuasion or person-to-person persuasion via a computer. It's actually using technology to wire into human brains and being able to remotely control other people and animals. Um, There are actually successful cases of being able to um, wire people's brains and connect them via computer to rats and being able to remote control rat behavior from a different country. And that sounds really crazy, but you can read about it in neuroscientist Tali Shiro's book, uh, The Influential Mind. She's a brilliant um, neuroscientist. And she would say also that technology is the future of persuasion. They actually use rats like that to go into enemy territory and scope out um, with cameras, like dangerous situations they don't want to send people into. Um, And The implication is that we may now be able to, or in the future, we'll be able to influence people with our 
brains using technology. <laughs> that they do is- it with rats, so. <laughs> That feels like science fiction. I mean, it does. Yeah. Can you find a way to relate that to the business owner who is, you know, somewhere, you know, three to five years into business and how they can use persuasion and technology in their business to grow and to be more effective? Yeah. So, all of the tactics that we use or almost all the tactics that I talk about that are listed in the APIS persuasion algorithm, they are just as easily used in conversation as they are when you're creating a, an ad for your social media or you're creating a commercial or if you're writing an email. They can be just as easily applied via technology. So for the blooming business owner, it's really important to be able to sell your idea and get yes from people. You need buy-in to your ideas and your products and your services. So and I think that persuasion, you know, even if it's not as extreme or sci-fi as being wired into a rat, <laughs> it's um, a lens that we should be applying to all of our, our communication via our technology, because that's just what the world is like today. We're writing emails. You know, I spend, feels like so much of my day on my laptop and my iPad communicating with people without ever seeing them face to face. And this is a necessary set of skills because like I said earlier, people don't want to be sold to like with a hard sell. And also we don't typically want to give people a hard sell either. And persuasion's not sales. It's understanding how the brain works to kind of hack our thinking and give people a shortcut in their cognition and their decision-making without making them feel like they're being railroaded. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that makes, that makes really good sense. And I wanted to make sure I brought it back to how we can use these tech techniques and understanding persuasion in the, you know, current day environment for most of the listeners and in the business environment. And I know I'm going to use it as well, not because I want to persuade people to do this or that, but because I want to help them see what's available. And I think that changing your mindset a little bit into, instead of thinking about it as the sales, like you said, making it like opening the the door of possibility. And I think that when you're effective at persuasion, you are really doing that. Yeah, exactly. And I tend to think that the people who have the best ideas in the world are sometimes the same people who have a really hard time communicating it. And so sales or persuasion isn't about, you know, getting people to give you their money. It's about moving the world in the right direction and um, yeah, opening people's minds to new possibilities. And I really like to work with nonprofits. Like right now I'm working with one of the um, indigenous tribes out here in Western Montana and helping them try to protect their public land use and opening people's minds to that possibility and the importance of that. And so it's so widely applicable via technology or in person. Yeah, no, that that makes so much sense. And I'm just sitting here saying this has just been such a fun conversation because I love the all the, the nuances that go into business. And so while I think that technology is the end all and be all and it's what makes my, my days go round, I think that there is a lot of value to bringing in um, 
the the human relationship side of everything. And I think that you demonstrate that very, very well. And I'd love for people to be able to go and take your quiz and to learn more about you. Um, so I'd love for you to share with everyone where they can go and how to connect with you outside of your website. And then I've got one last question for you. Awesome. So you guys can connect with me at the APIS website. That is APISCommunicationscience.com. And you'll be able to take the APIS persuasion quiz right there on the landing page. And I would love to answer any questions that you may have by um, via my email. That's Micah at APISCommunicationscience.com. Or you can find me on Facebook or Instagram. Very, very cool. And I know that people are going to be interested in that. So I'm going to take you to my cliffhanger question because I always have a cliffhanger at the end of every episode <laughs> <laughs> that's just kind of off the wall kind of thing. And for you, I want to know what your immediate thought was when you heard about these chat bots on Facebook. I just, just the whole idea of having a computer answer questions when someone sends something over. Oh, having a computer answer questions. So I recently heard about this in one of my mastermind groups, and I think it's really interesting. Um, you know, I would be really interested to communicate with a chat bot myself, and I haven't experienced that yet. Okay. But I wonder if we would really feel like it is a human interaction. Um, I'm hoping that the future of my algorithm might be to kind of do a predictive text type of persuasion thing for a tool like a chatbot, but I'm not really sure <laughs> That's about okay. that. That's it's a little totally bit, okay. yeah. Um, told you it's a curveball question yeah. no, no one ever has like the uh, immediate answer to it and that's kind of part of the reason why I put that on the tech of business podcast to kind of get everybody's minds spinning towards something else and I, I'm going to talk about chatbots um, in an upcoming episode and so I kind of wanted to put that out there as something that is related to communication it's related to the conversation it's related to the persuasion but if it's not relevant yet it's not relevant yet yeah no i think chatbots are a coming movement and a lot of early adopters have been using them on their their websites already because we want to you know we're kind of impatient and so we want to have an immediate answer and so it really gets to that um instant gratification that we're looking for when we contact a seller or a website or something like that. But we, our brains are so adept at recognizing human connection. So I'd be really interested to read research or learn a little bit more myself about what the quality of those interactions. That's such a good question, Jamie. I love it. <laughs> well, I'm glad that I, I gave you something new to think about yeah. once the algorithm <laughs> is out and everybody's starting to take it. So I'm excited to kind of see where you take things with your algorithm and uh, feedback that people have about your quiz and all of the other stuff. And Micah, thank you so, so much for coming and hanging out with me on the Tech of Business podcast. Thank you so much, Jamie. It's been fun. That was some serious value. Micah is truly an expert on persuasion. 
The quiz we referenced is available on her website, which you can access again through the show notes page at techofbusiness.com forward slash 024. After you take the quiz, be sure to join us in the Tech of Business community on Facebook, which of course you can access at techofbusiness.com forward slash community. There is no opt-in required. Inside the community, you will find a post discussing episode 24, everything that Micah shared and um, feedback and thoughts on the persuasion quiz that Micah has put together. And I will be back in your podcast player with another episode in a week. Thanks for listening to the Tech of Business podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Overcast, or wherever you download your favorite shows. You can also check out the show notes and learn more about me at techofbusiness.com. I'll see you next week.